0: You're listening to the Heart of Giving podcast with Art Taylor, powered by bbbgive.org. Here we explore the motivations that form the basis of giving and service. We inspire generosity and celebrate the transformative effects that giving and service have on the human spirit and on community. The conversations featured on the podcast also uncover giving strategies that educate and provide tools to help listeners make impactful gifts of both their time and money. We hope you enjoy this episode.
1: Welcome to the Heart of Giving podcast, powered by BBBgive.org. Give.org is the nation's standards-based charity evaluator, and it's your one-stop source for information on giving, and reports on the most asked about charities. I'm Art Taylor, your host. And, you know, we've been talking a lot on the Heart of Giving podcast about giving, obviously, giving of time, giving of money, giving of things in general to somehow hopefully produce greater good. But we've also been talking about how it seems that there's been a decline in the number of people giving to charitable institutions in particular. And it's hard to say if that is a reflection on our overall generosity. There are lots of reasons why people may choose not to give to a nonprofit organization, let's say, even though, in my opinion, nonprofit organizations are worthy of that support because they are positioned to help us drive society forward in the long run. However, it's worth considering, I think, what is going on when we've seen a significant decline in giving to institutions. So, for instance, over the last 20 or so years, the number of people, number of families giving to charities has dropped from 66% to... 49.5%. Again, doesn't mean that we're not generous, but there's something going on when it comes to giving to institutions. And we want to consider one possible reason for that today. Not saying that this is the reason, but one possible reason. Maybe it's people who are giving, our everyday givers. Maybe they don't see the the utility or the value of what they're giving to the recipient. That is, if you're giving a dollar, maybe you don't think that that dollar means as much to the person that you're actually giving that dollar to. Maybe you're thinking that maybe I should give a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars before I can really have any impact. And because we don't have 100 or we don't have 1,000, maybe we're not willing to give anything. And so we wanna explore this a little bit. And with me today to talk about this particular idea is Professor Amit Kumar. And he is currently an assistant professor of marketing and psychology at the University of Texas, Austin. And prior to joining the McCombs faculty, He completed a postdoctoral fellowship at the University of Chicago's Booth School of Business. He received his Ph.D. in social psychology from Cornell University and his A.B. in psychology and economics from Harvard. Professor Kumar's research focuses on the scientific study of happiness and has been featured in many popular media news outlets. Professor Kamar, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me. Glad to be here.
1: Well, as we said, I wanted to get into your research a little bit, which I found really impressive and hopeful, actually. And it has to do with the power of random acts of kindness. And I don't know if we actually understand the power of these acts of kindness, but could you tell us a little bit about your research and what you've discovered?
2: Sure, yeah. It turns out that lots of people don't fully appreciate the power of these uh, these acts of kindness that, that we studied. I mean, one thing that you noted earlier is that, you know, could it be that people just aren't generous? And, and I think what the research that we'll talk about today suggests is that people actually have pro-social intent. They want to act in other oriented ways, and sometimes they choose not to. And so we were kind of interested in understanding why they sometimes might not. Um, and so what we were investigating here was whether these these random acts of kindness kind of considerably improve how, how those on the receiving end feel. And then I think critically or importantly, also whether those who do something nice for someone else kind of fully understand uh, the magnitude of the impact that they're having on another person. You know, people who uh, work in areas like you do, they often say things like a little good goes a long way, um, and what we find here is that these kinds of acts actually go even further than people tend to anticipate. That is, people seem to systematically underestimate the value of these uh, acts of kindness on the other people that they uh, that they're being kind to.
1: Now, when you say pro-social activity, what are we, what are we referring to here?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. That can sound a little jargony when uh, when you're speaking to an academic researcher, I guess. Um, so, pro-social actions—they're they're essentially Other oriented acts that show care for others in some way. They're acts that are done with the intention of improving someone else's life, making someone else feel positive. So again, the intention is primarily to benefit another person. Um, So what we studied in in the experiments that we'll talk about today um, were basically unexpected um, pro-social acts that you could do for someone else. So these tend to be interpersonally warm in some way, Um, so not necessarily giving a dollar, but but doing something nice for someone else, which of course, giving money away can be a part of, but also giving away resources like time and energy and and effort. So these are actions kind of done out of kindness towards another person. And I think importantly, without any expectation of receiving something in return from the recipient. So it's not really like a a gift necessarily or an obligation, but but rather something you're doing to, to make someone else feel good.
1: Got it. Well, your research, let's get into it a little bit. What did you discover in your research around random acts of kindness?
2: Yeah, so we were interested in in sort of studying this idea that what seem like small, other-oriented acts, do they actually make a a big difference for for those on the receiving end? Um, And it turns out that people don't always realize how much of an impact they're having on another person. And that can often stand in the way of behaving in these other oriented ways a bit more often. So to make that more concrete, I think it's often helpful to talk about, well, how do you actually study this? Like these sound like claims and what's the data kind of behind these claims? I'm sure we'll get into to lots of, we've studied this in a, a bunch of different ways, actually. And I think all of the experiments that we conducted reveal something interesting or additionally important. But to give you a sense of how we study this generally, in one of our experiments we had These were MBA students. They were engaging in an exercise where they could basically perform a number of of different kind acts for others. They fill out a questionnaire afterwards. So essentially what happens is participants are told to give to another person, again, expecting nothing in return, so they can perform any act of kindness they could think of. So these acts could be large or small. They could be planned or spontaneous. They could include uh, again, sacrifices of time or of energy or of money. Um, so we gave them lots of examples, things like bringing someone a beverage without them asking, just giving them a cup of coffee or something like that. And um, these participants did lots of, they engaged in lots of different acts. So they uh, they did buy people coffee, but they also offered their classmates rides home. They baked cookies for uh, other people, uh, all sorts of nice things that you could do. And critically, the data that we collected is After they performed their act, um, these participants reported their own experience, so how they felt themselves. And really importantly, they predicted their recipient's experience. What we then did is we contacted the recipients to find out how they actually felt. So we have people's beliefs or their guesses about how they think a recipient is going to feel. And then we know how the recipient really felt as a result of these acts of kindness. And so when we followed up with their recipients, the clear effect across all of the studies that we've conducted is that performers underestimated the value of their kindness. So actually, both performers and recipients were in significantly better moods than normal after these exchanges, and recipients actually felt significantly better than performers of the act anticipated.
1: Wow. How about that? And from what I saw, it was a pretty significant difference. (laughs) It wasn't simply close. It was it was a marginal, more than a marginal difference between how we think people receive our gift, how we think they feel when when they receive our gifts and how they actually feel. It's pretty big spread. So, you know, again, I'm trying to derive what the implications of that could be. We don't know for sure. But if it's holding people back because they think people aren't necessarily getting as much out of their gift as we think they are, wow, to tell them that they're getting a lot more out of this than you actually think could be, maybe the difference between someone giving something and not giving something, right?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, and our data suggests that, that these sorts of, we call them kind of miscalibrated expectations. There's this gap between how we think recipients will be impacted and how they're actually impacted. Um, And these sorts of miscalibrated expectations, they they can matter for behavior, especially the behavior of potential givers, because they can create sort of a, a misplaced psychological barrier. So there's all sorts of barriers that stand in the way of doing almost anything that we can do in life. But this is really about our thoughts, about our expectations, a psychological barrier to engaging in these sorts of actions more often in daily life. So one thing that we know from our data is that People's expectations of a recipient's response, of the impact that they're having on a recipient, those expectations are significantly related to their interest in performing an act of kindness. So one thing, one way that you, we speak to lots of different audiences, I think, and you have lots of different folks listening to this conversation. You mentioned that I before I kind of really deeply studied psychology, I started out studying uh, economics. Um, and if you were to to ask any Almost any economist I think they'd probably tell you that that wise decisions tend to be guided in part by an accurate assessment of sort of the expected value of a given action. So this is what economists refer to as expected utility theory. We're not necessarily opposing that theory, but rather we're suggesting that people's expectations can actually be off the mark and that can matter for their behavior. So if you're underestimating the positive impact that you're having, Again, that could be a barrier that kind of keeps people from being kinder more often in daily life, kind of stopping them from engaging in these behaviors that would maximize both their own and other people's well-being.
1: Well, what's fascinating to me also, I look at this from the charities' perspective too. So charities are often struggling to express the degree of impact that they're getting from a gift. Now, of course, it's up to the charity to actually use that money in such a way that they achieve the greatest impact. But how to communicate that to a donor and to potential donors, right, is really challenging for charities. But it seems to me, based on what you're saying, if there's a way to do that, if there's a way to let people know in advance, if you give us something, you're going to you're going to deliver far more impact than you even imagine, at least on the recipients. It could potentially be a powerful impetus maybe for people to give. I don't know if I'm extrapolating too far from your study, but it seems logical to me that if people are feeling that their gift doesn't matter as much as they think it does, and it actually does matter even more than they think it does, then the the burden then becomes the organization's to let people know that they're going to be distributing a lot more value than they actually believe.
2: Yeah, it's a it's an intriguing possibility. I think it does follow from the the research that we conducted, although we didn't look at sort of this specific context, and so it would be important to test it in the context that you're talking about, I think, but in one of our experiments, we we kind of essentially tell people that that these acts of kindness tend to have a more positive impact than they they might believe. And when they understand that, um, that makes them a little bit more interested in in acting in these pro-social ways. Although I think the the point actually might speak even more to other contexts that I think philanthropic organizations are interested in, which is the notion of repeat giving, obviously, Uh, so not just one-time donations, but how do you get people to continue doing things once they've uh, started giving to others? And so you mentioned the, this, this interesting possibility of, well, how do you... You can tell people in advance about the impact that their gift might be having. But I think what might be even more powerful is knowing the impact that their gift actually had. So if there's a way to connect these givers to the people that actually benefited from, from what they've given... I think that could have an even larger impact because it, it, it also speaks to something that we might get into about why these expectations are miscalibrated. What are people missing out on? And it turns out that part of what they're missing out on is actually the recipient's emotional reaction, which is something that you can't always convey very clearly when there hasn't been a recipient yet.
1: What is it that the recipient is feeling? What is that emotion that is, is- Driven as a result of the gift?
2: So, the main thing that we focus on is sort of the role of interpersonal warmth. So, you can think about these gifts as kind of the thing that you're giving, and that is how givers tend to think about it. So, it's a dollar or a can of food or something like that. But these things actually tend to be meaningful for recipients beyond the particular thing that they're getting. Um, So, obviously, they do value what they're getting. It's not that they're not paying attention to the fact that they're getting something from someone else. But recipients tend to think about receiving that item sort of plus the warmth that's associated with the fact that it was given to them by another person out of kindness. The One of the issues is that the people who are doing the giving, uh, the, the pro-social actors, they don't fully appreciate the role that warmth plays in these interactions. And this is actually a fundamental sort of feature of our psychology. When we're a When we're an actor, when we're a performer of an act of kindness like this, we just tend to focus less on warmth than targets do when we're considering our own behavior. Uh, And that can make us kind of miss out on the fact that these acts of kindness matter kind of beyond whatever it is that's being given. It's not that what's being given isn't important, of course, but, but rather there's this additional feeling of somebody chose to do something nice for me. Somebody cared about me. And Knowing that is impactful for recipients, even though givers don't always recognize that.
1: And I want to, again, contextualize this to an organization. Our organization, the Wise Giving Alliance, for instance, just received a generous donation from the Hearst Foundations. And I want to hold them up. Thank you to the Hearst Foundations. And the gift itself is wonderful. It'll allow us to do a lot of great work. But the fact that they gave it to us elevated the motivations inside of our organization. It made us all say thank you and feel really good that this organization saw fit to do this for us. And it made us want to now redouble our efforts to accomplish the goals that we'd established for our organization. It just lifted our spirits internally. So you're right. In addition to the value of the money itself, the fact that they gave it, just lifted our spirits too. So there's that. And I don't know if the organization would actually, if the Hearst Foundation would appreciate that. And I guess we need to tell them that. And we need to tell all foundations that because I'm sure the the experience is the same in every organization. When you get these gifts, you feel if you're working inside that organization, a charge of excitement, you know, a charge of, you know, power because now you've been given this and now you can go out and do this great work that you're trying to do. And someone recognized you. So you feel this, this real surge. And I just think that there is something to that. There is something definitely powerful to that that could catapult an organization's efforts beyond what the money itself delivered.
2: Yeah. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head there that what what's probably important is that you actually convey that to the folks that have done the, the giving because- in everyday life, of course, these are the contexts that we studied in our experiments. Um, this is something that performers don't fully take into account. You know, it's not that people are like, way off the mark that they think that doing something nice for somebody else is going to make them feel negative or something like that. They understand that it that it's positive. What they don't realize is just how positive it is. And, and this is something that they're kind of not fully taking into account. So One of the nice things about being a researcher studying these things scientifically is that we can find out how positive people actually feel, not just um, do they feel positive or not. So when you do something nice for someone else, you get that, sure, maybe it it felt kind of good, maybe a little bit good. I mean, they felt a little bit positive, but you might not recognize that maybe that's the the best thing that happened to them today, that, that they're thinking about it as being even more positive than you expect. And they're not always kind of giving you that direct feedback where you can find out that they were a five out of five on a scale rather than the two or three out of five that you would have predicted to, to put this in the uh, the lens of, of the way that we studied this phenomenon.
1: So there's another thing I believe you found out that this giving is contagious. So if I make a gift to someone, they're now in a position where they're more likely to give to someone else. Am I right about that? Was there something about the contagious nature of of giving that's worth reporting as a result of your work?
2: Yeah, I think, so we did observe this in our data. And I think, again, speaking to to what we've been talking about this entire time, that is true, and yet people don't always recognize that fact. And so that's another barrier that can stand in the way of giving. So um, the way that we studied this, to, to make it a bit more concrete, is... In, in one of our experiments, this was a laboratory experiment, but we actually did uh, other experiments out out in the field as well. But here, we had participants kind of engage in in one of these pro social exchanges or not. Uh, then, what we did is we had recipients of an item, so uh, people who got something from someone else, they played an economic game to explore what are sometimes called kind of pay it forward effects after these, these pro-social exchanges. So yes, it turns out that generosity can be contagious. This is something that other scholars have, uh, have found as well, that receivers of, of these prosocial social acts um, at least sometimes pay kindness forward. Uh, what we also tested here, what we were interested in testing is whether performers of kind of the initial act of kindness anticipate those downstream behavioral consequences. Um. So the way that this game works is basically participants are assigned the role of the decider. So what they're asked to do is to allocate some money between themselves and another person. This is actually someone who they never meet and they can do this in any way that they please. Um. So everybody who got an item, they're assigned to be this decider. This is actually real money on the line. So choices here were were consequential. And what we did is we had predictors and what was ostensibly kind of, an earlier experiment, these initial performers of acts of kindness, they were told what their partner from earlier was doing, and they were asked to predict their behavior in this game, where they could give some money away or not. And what we found, the results were, what we found was that that those who had just been on the receiving end of an act of kindness actually gave substantially more to this anonymous person in this subsequent economic game but performers of an act of kindness didn't didn't realize the impact that they had. They significantly, again, significantly underestimated this prosociality that sort of spilled over when they had just performed an act of kindness. So, so yes, people's kindness can create um, what you might think of as a virtuous cycle of uh, of giving, but but uh, they don't always appear to, to realize that fact.
1: Wow, you know that's so interesting because if we're holding back. On giving, because we don't think it's going to have the kind of impact that we think it will. And we suddenly decided, you know, let's get smarter about it. The data says that it's going to have a greater impact. Just imagine how much more warmth we might create in the world. I know I'm being like really, you know, Pollyannish here maybe, but just imagine the potential warmth that we could be holding back on just because we don't think our gifts are going to have the desired impact that that they that they probably will have on the recipient, not only from the standpoint of feeling good when they got the gift, but actually extending that gift to others, their gifts to others, who would obviously feel the same way. So, I don't know. I'm just dreaming, I guess. I'm, but your data is so intriguing about how we experience giving. You know that that I can't help but but go there and ext- extend what you what you've produced here.
2: I mean, one thing that I loved about how when we were we were talking about these findings was you described the uh, the results as as hopeful, and that's not necessarily the word that I'd use when I was you know when I'm writing a a peer-reviewed paper for a scholarly journal or something like that, but I think one thing that is worth pointing out that we haven't talked about yet is that in some of our experiments we actually had people performing these acts of kindness for for strangers who just happen to be nearby. So like one of the examples that we talked about earlier was MBA students doing some things for their classmates. And I think that's important that that people don't always recognize the impact they're having, even on people that they know well. So you'd think that maybe people would have some insight there and they're off the mark even for for folks that they know. But we actually had people doing acts of kindness for strangers. So giving a hot chocolate away to somebody at an ice skating rink on a cold winter day or given a cupcake to somebody else who just happened to be nearby. So these are things that we can do for people that we know, our close friends and our family, but they can also be people that are somewhat distant from us. And and I think this is where a lot of the societal good can happen. That makes it clear that we have tons and tons of opportunities to engage in these acts of kindness all the time. We're constantly around other people and have opportunities to be good to them. Taking advantage of those opportunities might actually be a bigger deal than we sometimes anticipate.
1: Yeah, well, I so agree with that. So one other area I want to discuss with you has to do with spending on doing versus spending on having. Spending on doing versus spending on having. And the reason I want to talk about this is that in our sector, we are seeing younger people maybe give less in the way of cash, but they're far more interested in engaging in, let's say, events. So a charity has a march, or a charity has a walk-a-fine, or a charity has Something that they can actually experience that seems to draw the interest of particularly younger donors, more so than cash. Maybe your your research is uncovering to some extent why that is. Would you talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah, so this is other research. So we've been talking about research that's kind of hot off the presses that uh, that just right. came out. This is research that I've actually been working on for the past, let's say, decade or or so. So there's lots of evidence that we've collected suggesting that people derive more satisfaction from experiences like the events that you were talking about than they do from material goods. So the swag that, that might be given out instead, like a piece of clothing or an electronic gadget or something like that. And I think this research actually is related in some way because it turns out that well, what's the what is part of the reason for that? Why do we derive more happiness from our experiences than from material items? One of the reasons is that they're more broadly social in nature. Um, so human beings are a social species. What we're studying when we're we're looking at random acts of kindness is. Really, a social connection you can have with someone else. the interpersonal warmth really turns to matter really tends to matter there and it turns out that for these experiences, they tend to be more social in nature. When we do things, we tend to do them with others, even beyond the sociality of the experience itself. experiences also tend to be talked about more than possession, so we find that people have more conversations, more engaging conversations about their experiences than their uh, material goods. And so uh, this is another way in which we might be uh, providing more happiness. So, you know, again, I, I I made this transition early on in my career from economics to, to studying psychology. And part of that was because when you look at economic theory, it suggests that money should make us happier. And there is evidence suggesting that being poor is really bad for well-being, that, that having money does enhance our happiness to some extent. But it actually doesn't always advance our happiness as much as people think that it will. And part of the reason for that really has to do with a more psychological phenomenon that having more money can make us happier if we choose to invest it in the right kinds of ways, if we spend it in ways that are going to make us happier. Just like it turns out that spending on experiences tends to be more satisfying, more gratifying than spending on material purchases. Spending on others is is something else that's uh, what's called pro-social spending can sometimes bring us even more happiness than uh, personal spending. Um, Buying a, a coffee for someone else makes them happy and it makes you happy. Buying a coffee for yourself probably just makes you happy.
1: Yeah. One quick question too. I know you've probably uncovered or maybe done some research on yourself on how people feel when they give. So I've said a lot of times on the podcast, you should give because you'll feel good. I know it happens to me. When I give, I always feel good. It, the feeling never goes away. Whenever I give, I feel good. Sometimes I don't. Up front, I'm thinking, can I really afford to do this? Should I be doing this? And then I do it and suddenly I feel good. And it never, I never think about, well, I could, couldn't afford that. Is there, is there scientific evidence to back up that feeling?
2: Uh, lots of it from both myself and lots of other people as well. So doing right. good definitely tends to to feel good um, for for givers. So even in all of these experiments that we talked about, for where folks are underestimating the positive impact they're having on another person, we actually also measured how the givers felt themselves, and it turned out that the givers were substantially happier than they usually are. That empirical fact was confirmed in all of the studies that we conducted. So that is a robust effect. So being good feels good for us. And it turns out it feels even better for recipients than we sometimes expect.
1: Fantastic. Well, look, this has been, this has been terrific. I, I think that we now know that we should be giving. <laughs> if we want to feel good, we should be giving because we're going to feel good. We're going to make others feel good. They're going to feel better than we even thought they would feel. And they're going to pass on that good feeling to others by their gifts, and we're, we're going to create this this warmth in the world. We should be giving, and of course, our podcast is the heart of giving podcast. So you've just underst- now you understand why it's important to do it, and I, I just appreciate at you coming on the show today and and giving us this data to support what's in our hearts.
2: As someone who studies happiness, I can say that my professional view is that having this conversation with you made me a little bit happier today. So I'm glad that we had a chance to, to talk.
1: Wonderful. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening. And of course, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. There are more than 100 episodes of our podcast now for you to go through and listen to and be inspired by. I hope you, you'll do that and you can find us on all major podcast platforms. And of course, If you want to give and make us feel good, you can give to the Wise Giving Alliance at give.org and we would certainly use your gift in a way that would make others feel good as well. Thank you for listening.
0: You've just listened to the Heart of Giving podcast with Art Taylor. Be sure to tune in next time for a brand new episode. To listen to our other interviews, visit heartgiving.podbean.com That's heartgiving.podbean.com Dot .podbean.com Subscribe to our show on major podcast platforms. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are the views and opinions of the guests, not those of the BBB Wise Giving Alliance or program affiliates. This podcast is for information and educational purposes only and is copyrighted with all rights reserved. This podcast is protected by Podbean's terms of service.